This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is up, everybody? Fresh off of a North Carolina victory at Castle Coliseum of Virginia Tech, this is the Post Game Podcast. I'm Joey Powell. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. game coming at you Tar Heels win in Blacksburg in a game that as the guy I'm getting ready to bring on here uh, said so eloquently before we started recording they had to have Tar Heels win 65 57 their eight point halftime lead holds on Dewey Burke uh, just start off I, I got nothing I don't even have a good a good segue question for you I will let you start with your immediate reaction based on a Tar Heel win that like you said they had to have had to have it, yeah, and, and uh, it was an ugly game. It kind of reminds you of an old Big East game for those of us that are, you know, at least in our late 30s or past there. Um, just kind of a scrappy, ugly, physical, not overly pretty game, but uh, guys made shots. It was important. Brady carried us early, made a bunch of shots that uh, settled us down, and uh, even though we, we didn't play great in the first half, we had a little spurt there. I think it was a 17-6 to run. They got us up by eight and uh, gave us a little breathing room. And that was uh, that was what we needed because it never really got any closer than I think four or five in the second half. And they held them off. Now, Virginia Tech helped. They didn't shoot the ball well. And especially early in the first half when we did stretch or excuse me, the second half when we did stretch it to 10 or 12, they missed a lot of open shots. And so they had a hand in it, too. But we made key plays. Caleb made throws down the stretch, made some big shots as well. Mondo got going in the second half. Uh, we had good rim protection from Mondo as well. And uh, look, we did did just enough. Yeah, I love you pointing that out because Armando Bacot becoming a, a rim protector, I don't think was anything uh, that was foreseen by anybody around this program, but it's it's been a really, really nice addition. Um, sitting here looking at the box score right now, North Carolina has four starters finishing double figures, uh, the fifth guy being Leaky Black, who, while he only scored five, was very timely with some of his contributions in the second half. I think the biggest thing, though, that you could point to is that North Carolina did not allow the best three-point shooting team in the conference to shoot well from behind the arc. Virginia Tech, while they missed some open looks, finished 5 for 26 behind the three-point line. That's uh, under 20%. Do you have any insight as to what maybe was better about that? I did see the team switching screens a little more up top. Do you, did you see anything with your eyes that maybe explains why the, the three-point defense was so much better tonight than it was against Pittsburgh? You know, there were, there were a couple of possessions late in the, in, if you remember the, uh, the possession where Leakey got the charge uh, late in the second half, then we came down and we had a really good defensive possession, ended in a missed three for them, but they actually had a couple of times on the perimeter where they could have shot a, a semi-contested three on that possession. RJ had a great 
close out and it didn't allow penetration. He swung it. Armando had a great close out, didn't allow penetration. They end up taking a four shot. So I thought we were just a little bit more attentive on that end of the ball. Our rotations were crisp. And so we were there on the catch and closed out under control. And it wasn't uh, that we were late on the, uh, on the arrival. So the guy had an open look, or if we were getting there on time that we closed out poorly and it led to a blow by, we, we did the little things well, sort of the defensive stations, the principles that we do every day or did every day in the past. Um, and then Virginia Tech missed some some good ones. But uh, I, I did think that down the stretch, we had a couple good defensive possessions there in a row, and we finished the possession with a box out, which is obviously a big piece. Uh, very few second looks for them. And, uh, you know, from that, basically under five minutes, we controlled the pace. And uh, even though we didn't get a lot of uh, a field goals in, in, in that stretch, we ran the clock down and made it a limited possession game with a lead of seven, nine, and, uh, and then Caleb made free throws. So I, like, like I've said a couple of times, I do think Virginia Tech had something to do with it. They missed some open looks more so in the, in the earlier part of the second half, but that specific possession I'm talking about and a couple others, they were very, very disciplined. And when you're disciplined on defense, it leads to the other team having to take contested shots and they're not going to make contested ones that often. Yep. Anytime you can have your offense be an additional defender for you, I think good things are going to happen. Uh, again, looking at the box score, uh, you know, you see 14 points from Brady Manick, and he was, as you said, all the Tar Heels had early in the game. But I'm looking at a guy that played 37 minutes, and in the second half, I promise you, it looked like he was all but carrying around an O2 tank out there on the floor. What's your impression of, of a guy like that that's a fifth-year uh, fifth player, came in for his grad transfer year? He's just given this team so much not just offensively, but I mean, he played some some strong defense and had some nice rebounds at very timely moments in the second half. He did, and he plays really. And you're never going to question Brady's effort. He has he has certain limitations. Uh, he's a, a below the rim player for sure, but man, can he really shoot at that that catch and shoot that he had right in front of the Virginia Tech me, uh, bench? That's as pure as any pure shooter is going to catch and rip one, uh, as you're going to see. Uh, made a timely floater there at the end where he made the ball fake and then made the little floater. So uh, he's been huge for us and, and a welcome surprise on a team that just doesn't get baskets easily. We don't get in transition nearly enough. But today wasn't a game for that because of the way Virginia Tech kind of muddied it up on purpose. It was a game in the 50s and 60s. And so uh, to have a stretch four like him and that's also not afraid to pull it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's funny, Tommy and I, Tommy and I have talked for years now. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, when our best shooters weren't willing to shoot it almost every time they had a glimmer, it used to drive us crazy. We used to talk about that with Marcus Page, <laughs> with Bill Barry, with Cam Johnson. Brady does, Brady does not have a problem. He is not shy. <laughs> and you've got to think about the fact that when we struggled a little bit there in the middle of the second half, it was because we were turning the ball over. And what I think people need to understand is sometimes a contested Brady Manic three, uh, even if it doesn't look like a great shot, if we're going through a stretch where we're turning the ball over, we would sure take that because what 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 can happen? Brady could either make it, and then there's a good chance that Armando gets offensive rebound. And so uh, he's a very willing shooter, which which is an underrated mental skill in my view. Not everybody has that, even if you're a great shooter. Uh, Marcus Page was the one that I'll never, I'll never forgive for. Uh, he's, he's such a quality kid, and I think wanted to always make the right play on behalf of Coach Williams and get his teammates involved. 
that's a guy I think could have shot 300 more threes in his career uh, as good as he was. Uh, but again, Brady, not bashful. Uh, another player I want to call out, and, and Caleb Love had a really good stat line, 21 points, uh, seven assists and just two turnovers after, you know, again, I just I can't get my head around this. And, and I know you and Tommy have talked about it, but I'm going to throw it to you again. Caleb Love, after he, you know, when he makes a basket early and how engaged he is. Yeah. The first one. And how engaged he is defensively and everywhere else on the court, even distributing the ball is so different than Caleb, who doesn't make his first one or two shots. How do you explain that? I can't. I don't have any way to. It's just there's got to be eventually some some maturity that is that is reached that it's it's not always about your first couple shots and seeing the ball go through the basket. He's so athletic. He's so gifted. His ability to get to the rim. He's shown us in various games, not every game, but various games, his ability to distribute. He obviously can shoot the ball from the perimeter off the step back off the bounce. He's uh, improving on the pick and roll. And he, when he wants to be, he can be uh, a real pain guarding the basketball for the other team to deal with, but it's just not consistent. It's, it's, it's very hard to put your finger on it. I was thinking about it during the game. I was trying to remember what a sophomore Raymond Felton was like and a sophomore Ty Lawson was like, and uh, a sophomore Kendall Marshall or a sophomore Joel Berry. And uh, I think it's fair to say, and I, you know, I'll get called out on the message boards if I'm wrong, but I think all those guys by their sophomore year were much more consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Joel Berry as a sophomore played in the final four. Ty Lawson as a sophomore played in the final four. Um, Kendall Marshall as a sophomore probably would have played in the final four. Um, And then, and then obviously Raymond was, uh, was dealing with a new coach at that point, but uh, I was there for that on JV and Raymond Felton played harder than me, anybody I ever saw mm-hmm. um, until Tyler, um, even on that, that year that we, you know, weren't real good in coaches first season. So, so I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to put your finger on it uh, for someone with so many phys- uh, physical gifts, but um, when he's good, he's really good. And he showed in the first half when North Carolina made their run to, to really take the lead. Um, they were running some horn sets, kind of double high screen action, and he and both he and R.J. Davis were getting downhill quickly. And there was nothing Virginia Tech could do to stop them, even when they had uh, decent defense. So it's it's things like that I think that are, are, are maddening to the fans and are probably maddening to this coaching staff as well. Um, all right, last thing, and I'll let you get out of here. Elephant in the room time, man. Uh, after the game against Pittsburgh, the Tar Heels continued to do. Uh, what they've done all year, which is be inconsistent. And they come out and after dropping an inexplicable game to Pittsburgh at home, they get their first Q1 win on the year in Castle Coliseum in a raucous environment. I can't say enough. I wasn't there, obviously, but you could hear on the Uh, TV broadcast. It's a brutal place to play. It's a brutal place to play. Yeah. So uh, this Tar Heel team, uh, after Wednesday and now today, where is your head when you assess them as a whole? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it, it's uh, for a team to play as poorly as we did at home against Pitt. Uh, it was quite demoralizing. You saw that on Coach Davis's face, and, and he questioned some things about his kids publicly for the first time. And, uh, and then they go and get a really, truly a quality road win. I know Virginia Tech's record isn't indicative maybe of that, but as you said, it's a quad one win on the road on a Saturday when student body had plenty of time to get ready. Uh, and we went in there and got a win. 
the team I played on, when we went in there, we lost, right? We lost there in 2007 on a team that was, you know, arguably a basketball away from the final four and a bunch of guys that eventually cut down the nets. Yeah. And we went in there and lost. So I, I don't know what to tell you other than as people have been asking me similar questions, it, it, it feels like the, the right finish of this season would be for us to go into Cameron and win. I know we got, we got a couple more before that, but it just feels like that's something that this team just might do. It's just because um, it's so outlandish. I, I agree with right. you. Yeah. That they, they might on Krzyzewski's last game at Cameron, they might go in there and, and Caleb goes off for 30 and we go over there and win. <laughs> but who knows? But how do you predict that? I mean, I hope nobody's betting money on this team because I don't know how you predict it. Uh, it it's it's tough, I'm sure. Okay, last question. I lied. I'm, I'm going to give you one more. A short turnaround, yet Louisville coming in the Smith Center on Monday. What are the next 48 hours going to look like for this team? I mean, I'm assuming they they probably just have film tomorrow and don't practice. I don't know. When, when I see how many 30-plus yeah. minutes they played, what do you expect the next uh, – until Monday night, what do you expect to look like? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of recovery work, maybe a little running and shooting tomorrow. Not like conditioning running when I say that. Run and shoot is a is nomenclature within the program. They'll just uh, get loose, get up and down a little bit. But no five-on-five, five, nothing live. Uh, everybody should hopefully be getting in the cold tub when they get back to Chapel <laughs> Hill today. And and, uh, and as you said, watch, watch a little bit of film on Virginia Tech and then uh, switch your focus to Louisville. Uh, who obviously is having a tough season, but still has athletes and players. And and we have no margin for error or ability to take anyone lightly, especially the way we played the last time at the Smith Center. So uh, quick turnaround, but, you know, I, I don't worry about that. I know you, you mentioned Brady looked tired, but he'll be fine. He's 22, 23. They'll be ready to go. And uh, boy, they after getting that quad one win, uh, you sure hate to lose one at home. So they need to take care of business in these next couple, and then uh, and then maybe they will go into Cameron and get one. Who knows? Well, DB, we appreciate you being consistent, man. Uh, I'm calling everybody by their first initials now in honor of Corey Alexander because apparently he just figured out the West Durham's initials are WD because that's all he said all day. So I'm going to call that. you DB. Yeah, I'm going to call you DB a thousand times now. But uh, do we, I appreciate you joining the show, man. You always bring uh, some really good insight having, you know, having been – uh, in that locker room and having been the guy wearing the jersey before. I uh, appreciate what you bring to the table. We'll talk at you sometime down the road, but for Dewey Burke, I'm Joey Powell. This has been the post game here on InsideCarolina.com. We'll talk to you soon. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.